Hi, my name is Tiga, and you're listening to Last Party on Earth. Over the next hour, I'll be asking the ultimate DJ question. It's your last set ever. What do you play? This week, I'm joined by a man who needs little introduction, the legendary Carl Cox. He's an Acid House veteran, a techno champion, and a true dance music pioneer. I don't say this very often, but this guy is mondo cool and a personal hero. This is Last Party on Earth. Last, last party, party on Earth. If you close your eyes and think of a DJ, there's a good chance that you're going to think of Carl Cox. It's hard to imagine an artist who has been so good for so long and who still has so much passion and love for his craft. I was excited to sit down with Carl in the beautiful Ibiza countryside to learn from a man who exudes so much joy and energy. You're going to hear some buzzing and it's just the beautiful insects out in the Ibiza countryside. Enjoy this episode of Last Party on Earth. Carl, I can't really think of a DJ I'd rather talk to who I genuinely have so many questions. I'm going to try my best to keep it uh, relatively focused, but thank you for being here. Thank you. The idea is, uh, in an effort to learn a little bit about you and about DJing in general, the art, the science, we're, we're setting up an imaginary dream party, your dream party, which unfortunately... I set this up. Uh, it's also your last party. Okay. So, <laughs> so there's some, there's some difficult questions. Um, and we're going to just talk a little bit about the music you'd love to play and, and yeah. a little bit about your history and your approach to DJ. So okay. thank you. Thank you. So to begin with, what is your opening record at your dream party? I always uh, love people to understand that there's a, there's a beginning, middle and an end of everything. And, um, of course, we'll get to the, the middle of, of the music that I love and an end to the music that I love. But I'm, I'm still doing what I do because I, I still want people to see into the, the future of what I like to, people to be exposed by. So I wouldn't go with an old retro record. I would go with something which is an experience of a, of a, of a tune which maybe most DJs would have passed on, wouldn't have realised, uh, or wouldn't have felt. Um, and, it all, and, and it all comes down to... Um, uh, exposure more than anything else. If you wouldn't, if you wasn't exposed to the record that I'm choosing, you wouldn't know it. So I've always tried to be that that person that would find that record you wouldn't be exposed to and expose you to it. Mm. So my first record, in some ways, would be a guy from New York called uh, uh, Aid Vision, and uh, the track's called Mind Mind of the Man. And what's really nice about this record is that it has a uh, like a two minute piece of just music no kick drum no uh, exploding you know cymbals crash cymbals or anything just a nice piece of pad music chords that are played and you f it makes you think okay where where is this going and eventually it, you know you get your your drums and your bass lines and everything else that comes in with a tune but it's just beautiful the way how it builds up and i don't think that we get exposed to a lot of intros like that these days you know based on what you're going to be doing next so i find every time i play this record and and i break it down to just that it just makes people stop for one minute and just take in the music and this record allows you to do that a couple of things you mentioned there that are very interesting one is this idea of new, of the search, the hunt for new music, and how important it is to present something that's new, as opposed to something that might even be better in a way, but people have already been exposed to. Yes. That's something I, I'm really interested in. I find it a challenge in general. And so, I mean, how important is it for you? I think it's very important to, to always be hunting and finding new stuff. 
Yeah, I think what's important to me when it comes to something like that is that people trust me with the ability to find new music to play. Because if you think about a record which will potentially become popular because it's that good, every DJ's played it, so therefore everyone's getting exposed to it already. And if you play it again, it's because you know that there's a demand for it to be played. But, but meanwhile, it will get overexposure to the point that it doesn't get played anymore. So it, this is a thing where is a balance between finding something which you believe in and you feel that it's good and that represents you and your sound and what you do and which then basically people know that if that's the case that you're the one that exposed it to everyone and so they're expecting you to play that record mm. and that's what happens to me most of the time once I found that record but then I could find a record that no DJ plays because they're not feeling it for some reason but I do so, and I believe in it in such a way and it's the reason why I keep playing it and I still want people to understand that this record is still the, the greatest record I've ever Ever, I've ever heard and I, and I believe in that record wholeheartedly even though that record doesn't become popular I don't mind that because in, in five or ten years time I can still play that record and still know that it was, it was always that good so we have this kind of cat and mouse game between its popularity and, and what, or what exposure of the record I can give it to know that it was always that good Will you consciously ever drop a record just because you feel it's being played by too many other people? Yeah, I do. I do. I do drop the record. I'll, I'll get to a point where my job is done. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't get any more exposure. It goes over to the hand of, yeah. of the, the realm of the next wave for the tune, and it gets to a point where it's great. What, what happens with, is with overexposed records, as you probably know yourself, you always end up going back to them mm. because they were so great to begin with. And then, and then what happens is most of the DJs won't play it anymore, but then you're going to get a certain element of missing that record actually, and then yeah. going back to hearing it again. And also the people who hear it again in, uh, now didn't know it existed five years ago because I've only been going out the yeah, last two the, years. The generational, yeah, exactly, and it's so, new and new again. So they see it as a new record, mm. you know, which is fine. It's lovely to, to, to be able to have the legs of a record, which was always great, that basically got played to death, but at the end of the day, it, it had a shelf life until the next wave of generation of, of uh, people who listen to the music see it as something refreshing at the end of the day, and, yeah. and that and it continues to be like that as, as we go along. Also, you, so in that with the record, the first record you played, you said there's a two-minute, you know, an intro. It's quite a dramatic beginning. Yeah. Do you have a? You know, I look at DJing sometimes like a, a sport. You know, there's like you're a sprinter. You know, some guys that get off the line super fast. Yeah. There's the guys that they're they're waiting for the the final stretch. You know, <laughs> is do you have a, a general approach to how you like to start a set? I don't really have a general approach because I, I never really have anything set up. I, I always get to the party at least an hour before to hear what the other DJ's okay, playing. And um, so I don't double up on anything that he or she's played. Um, but I can feel the crowd. Sometimes if a DJ is playing you know, super hard and the, and the crowd has been, been basically exposed to that for the last four hours, and then I'll change it and kind of clean it and, and clean the room and then start again like I would do with a, I like a vision I, I like clean the room <laughs> get, the, get the get the the broom out <laughs> okay you've had enough techno for one night <laughs> okay let's start with something different and uh, and clean the room and then gives people a bit of a break you know and, and it's same for house music same for drum and bass same for anything if they've been listening to a certain element of sound for most of the time and then I'll change it to the point that, that I can then basically start my story of 
of my journey of what I'll be playing next. And that could change at a drop of a hat. I kind of think that record I'll start with and maybe no, I'll, I'll go the other way. And it works most of the time based on my instinct of what I think should happen in the room at that time. Sometimes <clears throat> I'll always speak to the other DJ and say, do you want me to mix in? Yeah. Or do you want to bring it down? And I find that 50-50. Mm-hmm. Some DJs have got the party, they're swinging, you don't need to change it. You just mix in, you carry on. Thanks very much. Or we pull the music down, get on the mic, say thank you for the last DJ, you know, and the crowd acknowledges that. And then I call Carl Cox in the house and I'll start. And then that gets me on that plateau of where yeah. I take it next. So I always... I always try and have fun with that yeah i always i always love to mix in and i find more and more it's like a dying breed in a sense i find more and more people are even surprised when as a certain a-list dj that you're ready to mix in Mm. that i find people are getting i find it more and more people actually surprised that you're i don't know that that you're willing to drop your ego a little bit to share in that five minutes well the thing was coming from vinyl being a vinyl dj it was always fun to just have that at least that one transition that you yeah. that you work together and as an initial back to back kind of ideal, <laughs> uh, and but also to see if it can be done because it is a art form mixing music, mm. especially with vinyl because there's no sync button, there's no loop button, there's nothing. You you've got that little element of a window to do that, and nine times out of ten that would work. At least that you could hear the transition and people and you, and you two working together like that. Now it's even easier to do it now. You know, if if one DJ is on a computer and is playing one twenty seven BPM or one twenty six or whatever, then you set yours to one twenty six, one twenty seven, and if you can get it right, then you'll have the perfect transition based on that we both are at the same tempo at the same time, and you can make that mix. You take the bass out, he takes the bass out. You can, you know, you can even bring the thing, the the the, the volumes down a little bit. You know, people acknowledge the fact that you're changing over. Then you go up, you bring the bass in, boom, it comes down, and you're in. I mean, that for me is keeping the party going. I actually prefer to I, do that. Yeah, I like it too. To keep that energy in now, and then the people go, okay, we, we're now, we've been here now, and now you know, hopefully you're looking to take you and to another to another realm, or you take it to your realm. Mm. Wherever, it, wherever it needs to be but I always find I did it with Monica Cruz last week and uh, she was so happy you know because we don't really get to, to play back yeah. to back hardly at all uh, and this time you can see that it was a, a mutual respect of each other uh, and, and how she played and what I'm, what I'm about to do next it wasn't like well okay you're done <clears throat> you bring your music down and I have this amazing intro and you know and, and yeah. I have all the fireworks sound man <laughs> sound man bumps it all <laughs> up 10 yeah, dBs and I in the last DJ goes huh Hang on. <laughs> I might be muffled in some ways, you know. Uh, not really, though, but it, it can happen, yeah. you know. So the idea is to, to keep the levels the same, more or less. The party's rolling and everyone's having a really great time. And I actually do prefer to, to mix in. Yeah, like Martinez Brothers, I can mix in with them quite oh, easily. Yeah. Caparetti, very easily. Um, sometimes with, uh, with certain DJs, they don't want that. They just want to mm. bring it down. They've done their set, so it's clean, clear cut. And you start a free intro. That's when you think, okay, if that's what they want to do you have to change your next record (laughs) you got your intro record yeah um, you mentioned vinyl. I mean, you, you mentioned vinyl. Uh, uh, I'm long past the point of, you know, debating formats yeah. and all that, which is not interesting. But I do have my own theories about just when you think back to how you were as a DJ by your own standards when you were playing vinyl, as opposed to, let's say now where I assume you play all digital, just by your own standards, were you better at one stage than another? Like, or not, not better is not really the right word, but do you think you know, were your programming choices or do you feel any like qualitative difference between how you played when it was only vinyl or how you've played, how you play in, let's say the modern era? Well, I mean, that's, that is a fantastic question to ask because no one's really asked it. 
Um, <laughs> well, it, because because there's a lot of questions where I have my own dark secrets, <laughs> which is why I feel that's kind of what this series is about, which is about kind of how much, because I have a feeling a lot of the DJs share a lot of the same thoughts on some of these things. Anyway, I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah. Uh, when we had no choice, mm-hmm. we had to mix on vinyl, whether it would be a 45 single record which only lasts 15 three to three three minutes 15 so you had to mix really really quick um whether you, you used reel to reel where and did where, you i mixed reel to reel to vinyl yeah um because you respect be, because he was able to <laughs> i don't know how i did it believe me but we used to have these little track marks and and then you could pitch the reel to reel and then you can get it in the in the in the realm where you wanted it and then you could kind of the feathered of the vinyl into it or vice versa it was um very interesting mixing at the time but the reel to reel was always uh, where you had your exclusive kind of cut and edits and the things that made you who you are and, and what you what you listen to and it's very old school uh frankie knuckles used to do it tony humphreys used to do it the list goes on when it comes to that kind of realm but the idea was to keep the party going one way or another and um so I, I really perfected the art of mixing music from different formats right from the beginning. And my, my art in the end was to take it further by introducing a third turntable. So it's almost like having you know, spinning plates that you're having a bamboo stick, you know, and then and you get that plate and you're spinning one and you get the other one and you spin the other one and you get another one and you spin three and you keep them all going. When I was mixing, well, that was me. And, um, and I loved the, the kind of seat, flying by the seat of your pants, DJing because not only was it just down to selection it was also down to how you presented that and and had the journey of it all because when you're mixing with uh with the computers and everything now yeah you can sync your music you can have everything in key you can loop at any point all of these functions that you have kind of helps you to become more creative because you're not worrying about things running out or even things not being in time that well because most of those records the timing of a lot of the tracks were off so the, the art was to try and keep that the what was off on i did what you were never supposed to do i would grab the spindle, grab the spindle in the middle and just just keep, keep the spindle the i always real, hated doing that i know i was always told by the real djs do not touch <laughs> the spindle only pitch, only, use the pitch. only pitch but i couldn't do it and you kind of ride the pitch you know and you kind of get there you know and, and sometimes it would it would work really well didn't have to do anything but the idea if it's working really well and you don't have to do anything is to mix it quick <laughs> get in and yeah. do that transition because that's the thing that makes it you you uh, a perfectionist in, in the sense of what you're good at doing sasha was always really good at doing it yes uh john digg was super smooth uh, i used to watch Derek carter was really good at it yeah uh, groove rider playing drum and bass and fabio actually when it comes to playing that style of music, it's completely different. Super smooth mixing. And you couldn't really tell how one record from another. Uh, was, you know, when you got Andy C, Andy C at the time was like bang, 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 crashing them in. And, and I'm the same. I was kind of a crash, bang, wallop DJ. But there was points where I wanted to, to smooth that out to make those transitions in between what I used to play and how I used to play it, kind of like a hip-hop style, because I was always using a crossfader to making transitions from the faders just going up and down quite smoothly. But, the, the element, all of that, and we going through all of that, I perfected the art of DJing through uh, turntables. And now that I basically don't do that anymore, and I haven't done it for many yeah, what, years. What's going on with all that extra bandwidth that you've saved? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't just mean you. I mean everybody, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is now, I, I try to be 
as exciting, as dramatic as a, as how I used to play with vinyl. But a lot of people missed the, the days of me doing that. You know yourself when you were out there playing vinyl, you used to have like maybe four, three or four deep of people just watching you yeah. play because you know they wanted to learn and see what was what you're doing and how you're doing it, and they want to see what records you're playing as well. You know, you always saw the, the eyes over the turntable to see what track you're playing, and it, yeah. it's all gone. All of it's gone now. The element of it, and they don't even know. Mm. how you're playing it now so I'm still doing the same as I ever did but it's also a lot smoother than it ever was but also I have the more uh, the ability to become more manipulative than I used to be and because I'm doing all of this it sounds like a record but it's not it's actually three or four records melded into one and then I basically mix out of that one record in the end into the next record so I'm always thinking on my feet all the way like how I used to DJ but in, in, in the now era so People who are traditionalists say that I was, you know, my time in the 90s was the best creatively. And the people who listen to me now really enjoy the fact that it's what they understand. Now, the kids or all the, the, the millennials, they don't know about turntables. They don't even know about vinyl. They don't care about it. But if you're bringing, if you're bringing the music to, to the dance floor based on the new technology that we're using, it's fine by them. And as long as they get, you can get creative with that, then they're happy. But the old, uh, the old school, <laughs> the old are, are like they're like you know, it's just, you're just sinking and, and pushing buttons. And yes, in some ways they're right, but it's still about the music. At the end of the day, of of how you transition what you used to do to where we are yeah, now. Um, and I've been challenged. I mean, ten, uh, when I basically did the closing of Space Club in 2016, I purposely put two turntables in and for the first six hours at my 10 hour set I did nothing but play vinyl and it's on Beat TV and it's there to, for everyone to see People how did it feel at, at the beginning well in this where you are now I every day played vinyl to whoever oh, was okay. here and I just got myself back on the horse and I have to tell you it was a bit wonky to begin yeah. with <laughs> you know because everything feels so uh, analog and, and, and also quite clunky yes you know? I remember I played vinyl once not so long ago and I was actually shocked. Forget what it sounded like, mistakes, or that didn't matter, but I was quite shocked by how different I felt about the whole thing. I was so much more on edge in a nice way, so much more, I guess, in tune and active and anyway. Yeah, I, f I think you find that you kind of respect the art form more mm -hmm. when you're playing vinyl, so you don't go as mad as 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 I once did, you know. I mean, I used to have records in my leg, between my legs, under my arms, um, on my head, everywhere, like you know. That. You know, and I just used to have them all kind of stacked up, and I'd be like, you know, shifting through the records. And well, you know, you're already a physical. I mean, you're already someone. There's so you give so much physically. Yeah, that that, that was part of it. You know, it was just that was the initial show, and when I used to find a record, people go, "How do you even know what that is? It's white white label, and you got some marking over it." Oh, it had a coffee stain on the right, <laughs> and that's the tune. And I play that record, and everyone's going mad. I go, "Wow, what is it?" And I go, "Well, I actually." don't know yeah <laughs> okay he came to me at some point someone gave me a white label and and i heard it and, and i played it and and there it is and, it, and people can find out what it is now but when i was playing this week for uh, resistance at privilege big crowd in front of me and i'm playing i'm playing a record and uh some guy you know put his phone up and shazammed it straight away and he showed me that he shazammed it and i'm thinking and now you know what it is no no you know what it is <laughs> i'm thinking i used to my i used to love playing records you couldn't get well, of course. <laughs> well, we're going to get onto that later when we talk about the secret record, you know, about hiding your records. And everything. I have one last question. I don't want to get too much into the format thing, but the thing I've, I'll be open about it, I've struggled with it, is on a programming level, the biggest challenge to me for DJing was when you had to commit and pack 80 records in a box for five shows, 
different types of shows for the weekend you were leaving, as opposed to now having, you know, my 10,000 best records. I found that the, the decisions that I had to make, that, that commitment to those set records, made my programming very intelligent and real. And, and for me, I've, I, I wonder, like, I guess I don't know where the question is in that, but, you know, how you decide what to bring, how you decide to narrow those folders down, because you just have so much with you, you know? Yeah, I, I always went out with uh, at least 120 records. Two boxes? Uh, two boxes. And those two boxes had to work one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, and what the biggest fear was, I don't think it was so much about how, because say like, for instance, you was doing two hours. So two hours is 28 records. You could, you know, play, the, play from beginning to end of each record mm. and it'd be 28 records. So if you've got 120, you've got plenty of headroom. Or if you're like me, I used to play like a minute on each record and I'll play most of the record before, before the end of my set. But it was always that, that fear if the DJ was going to be late. Ah, okay. So you're like, and you played all your records and they say, oh, the DJ's not here yet. Can you carry on playing? And you think, ah, oh, I've got maybe about another 20 records left. But then after that, I've got nothing. So he better turn, he or she better turn up. So, you know, oh no, it's going to be another 20 minutes late. Can you carry on? And I think, I don't really want to double up playing the same record twice because I've already played it the, the two hours before. The B, B3, the B3 cut. So you've now started to, to cut into the records or the tracks that you was not going to play, that you, you have no choice to play. But then the discovery of that exactly. yeah, yeah. was amazing because you you probably would have skipped through that track and never played it because the other track was more important. But you get to this other track and, you, and the dance floor still moving and enjoying itself. And you're thinking, what a tune, yeah. what a discovery. And then you get your pen out and you go... Yeah, exactly. But I think that's that. I think that that thing of kind of falling in love with things because you don't have that many to choose from was a very important part of certainly the 90s and the vinyl thing. It's like you had to fall in love and find a way to use that B-side track because you didn't have a hundred others. Totally. And and I've been into that scenario quite a few times where DJs have been late on me and and, and I've been also late on them myself sometimes. But the thing is, is is that when you when you're kind of almost forced to to actually listen to B-sides and then you actually get to hear it and you think, wow, is the reason why we have B-sides in the first place is then you're getting into more of a a realm of of discovery yourself. And I think that's a really amazing place to be because you're both having this discovery of new music at exactly the same time when you're playing it. Do you remember your first gig or first gig where you got paid either in money or t-shirts or whatever it was um i kind of do uh, it, w- it was in a, a club uh, many years ago and um it was in in wandsworth uh i think it was called paradise club on a wednesday night i was actually not paradise on a wednesday yeah, on a wednesday yeah 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 hello <laughs> yeah think about it uh reinventing the wheel eh? um and it was in the 80s. It was uh, like 82, 81, 82. Um, and I was playing a lot of prelude music and, and uh, I was playing a lot of kind of like early house music, but it was still a lot of um, soul and funk and that kind of era that I was playing. And I got um, 20 pounds from my first set um, for an hour's work. So that was brilliant. It's pretty I mean, good. It wasn't bad. It's really good. <laughs> and I was very much... Uh, uh, the, the warm-up DJ and I wasn't the main DJ but I had my box of records and I went there very Did you have proud. a real box? I had a... Um, I remember when my milk crates... Plastic, yeah, nah. nah I, I, I had milk crates in the end but uh, because my selection wasn't that great it was only kind of quite small so I had these little plastic... Uh, I still have them today but they were made out of plastic and you can, you can get about 60, uh, 50 records in and so I had that, like half or 12 inches half albums oh, yeah. and, that, and that was my... And the selection. albums were like at quarter output. Remember album tracks? <laughs> 
shots were like incredibly low, <laughs> low volume. Low it, was volume. Impo- it was desperation. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess let's get to your next record, your peak time record. And you, I consider you kind of a peak time guy. Um, <laughs> I, I certainly think uh, of you as, yeah, understanding how to, how to get that energy to a super high level and keep it there if you want it. What is uh, yeah. your, your peak time record? So, I mean, it's an impossible question. Yeah, I'll just put it there's out there. So, there's, there's so many of them. And and this year in particular, there's been some great releases out at the moment, which is just absolutely slamming the dance floor. I mean, there's a few. So, if you don't mind, no, give, no. Me, give me a few. Two. Uh, you're allowed two. Can allowed you, two. Can you do okay. two? Two out of the five I was going to give you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I tried to give more than less, but I mean, these records are just absolutely amazing. So one of them's by um, Drum Complex, and it's called Atomic. And it, this is a bit of a, a creeper, uh, big time uh, techno record, which actually doesn't go anywhere. But it just absolutely brings you in to the realm of its discovery of techno music. Now, when I first got this record from him, I kind of went, ah, oh, it's another techno record. Oh, yeah, another techno record. Okay, I'll play it at some point, you know. And then I heard it again. I'm thinking, this is actually quite special. Did you hear somebody else play it? Uh, I heard uh, Joseph Caparetti play it. And I heard, uh, but I didn't know that it was. Sometimes when I hear someone else play it, I'm like, ooh, I like that. Yeah, I'm thinking, what's this? And then I heard... Um, Emily Lenz play it. I'm like, what's that? That tune again? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Let's go back. Uh, and, there, and there it is. So when you're DJing and you're, you're looking out at the crowd and you're busy and obviously you're thinking, do you have a personal favorite energy? You know, there's moments where people are just going berserk, mm. hands in the air. I mean, you've th- that, that frenzy kind of thing. Mm. There's other ones where it's like they really it's head down just kind of you know deep in a groove there's other moments where you know there's ones where people have kind of trust you with anything you know where you can really get get strange is there a a particular i mean it's a difficult question but is there something Mm. where you really you know that moment where you're like yes like i love that yeah, um, I mean, I, I do like the the euphoria of when you know the whole room has their hands in the air and they're and they're attentive for that moment. But you know, out of one record, there's another six more minutes yeah. in it, so you need to follow that record. And I, I love playing funk, soul, and disco music. I always have done and always will, and I'm still doing it today. A moment I had where the room just you could just feel the the funk energy in the room, where no one's really looking at the DJ, but they're just into the, the, the ideal of getting taken away by a record you've selected. And it was proper has a Rolling Stone. A proper was a Rolling Stone, sorry, by The Temptations. And it's a new kind of... It's uh, a sick record. Beautiful record. And you kind of like... There's nothing to do with you waving your hands at the DJ. The funk of it and the energy of it and, and, what, and, the, and the song and the soul of it is so amazing that you're dancing on your own with it to it and you'll just follow the 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 element of what the band was basically playing because it's almost like a jam what they're doing between themselves you can feel it but it goes on for about 10 minutes and i can play this record from beginning to end with no hands in the air but the room is just moving dark and it's just nice sound and you 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 end up singing the song yourself papa was a rolling stone you know wherever he laid his hat was it home and when he died all he left was was alone and you're just like oh and when he goes to alone and the bass line 
do, 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 do. And I was just thinking, this is what I'm talking about. Yes. And, that, and, and I love those moments in songs and in music and, and the realm of, I'm oh, sorry about my singing, by the way, but. <laughs> no, I was, I was totally into that. Yeah. Um, I don't profess to be a vocalist, but I'm, I'm singing a record. You know, if I'm playing it, I'm singing it. And, and that's what gets me off, I suppose, when I, when I see still, a real move like that. Do you still feel those moments and enjoy DJing as much as you always did? Yeah, I, I I still do. I'm not know? saying the Papa was Rolling Stone, but yeah. I mean just in general that yeah. joyous connection. Yeah, I, I I think my office is the dance, you know, playing music to the dance floor. My gift to the world is sharing the love of the music that I still love to to share. And all the time that I feel it and I believe in it, and then I'll play it on that basis. So I've always done that. I've always found a record. I sometimes sit at home or my studio, or whatever, and I just sit in my chair and I just. And I listen, actually listen to the record um, for what it is and, and get taken away by it. And I go, wow, well, that, that was a moment, you know, in, uh, uh, for me where I, I've just took a step back and not thought about the dance floor and just thought about what it actually is or what that person was trying to say when they made that record in the studio. At the end of the day, we had no connotations to it. It was just made because they, they felt that way at that time. What of your own productions, the one that you would choose for your dream party? Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> another difficult question from you, <laughs> as I've made quite a few records, but um, a, a record that I believe that really uh, is something that I that people would expect me to play based on who I am and the music that I like for people to listen to, and uh, it can become scary in some ways, as well as it can become beautiful, um, it's a track that I've done called Dark Alleys, and it for me, the reason why the, the name came about is because I wouldn't like to meet myself in a dark alley and have this record playing behind me. It can give you this kind of almost anxiety <laughs> you know, based on what I created. And the actual sound comes from a plugin called Massive. And I found this kind of appreciated bass line in there and I kind of manipulated that appreciated bass line and made this track from it. And the first version I did... F- from the track uh, I wasn't too happy with so I readdressed the, the mix again and made it even more intense so it's now a, a massive massive kind of uh, uh, techno track uh, of which kind of plastered you up against the wall it really as soon as you hear it you, you're, you're in the record I, I didn't have an intro I didn't have a I mean I have a, a couple of breakdowns and an outro that's all it is but as soon as you play it from from first beat you're already up against the wall. And for me, it's almost like that's where I, I love to be, making music and, and, uh, and getting behind me. So again, it's been, it's been understood of, of who I am and, and what I like to play and, uh, and what reactions I like to see from it. As a DJ, how important is it for you to have your own productions? You know, when you line up your records, you're ready to play to feel the confidence or to feel, okay, I have, I have one of my own now to play. Is it, is it really crucial? For me, it's really crucial because I've always been into manipulating records or, or other people's music all the time. I kind of got frustrated to where my, one of my first records I ever bought was um, Diana Ross, Love Hangover. And I think we're going to elaborate on that at some point. But when I first got it on Tamil Motown Records, it was a three minute, 15 second record and I knew there was more in it but they faded it out because they couldn't get any more records on Mm. that seven so I'm thinking oh my god this needs to be longer so I basically recorded it on a a cassette tape and then just looped the last bit into the first bit and and carried it on and then play it from the tape I couldn't I didn't have any other ways of 
of playing that record for it to be any longer. And then lo and behold, one day she made the album and it came out on the album as an 11 minute, 27 second record. I was like, yes. <laughs> Apart from that, it was quite cut low because of yeah. the album. <laughs> but there it was. And I don't think it ever came out on a 12 inch. I think it, the, the extended version was only on the album, which sold the album because that was such a huge record. But I've always been into manipulating records from day one. So even though I'm manipulating records from day one, I found myself that I wanted to create my own elements of, of my own music, which, which I believe that I could also add to the library of records that I'm playing and the style that I wanted to, mm. to be seen, to be, be behind. Because in England, we never really had a house music scene at that time. We were basically buying mega records from the US and then playing a lot of music from the US at that time, and which I loved. So, you know, whatever I was doing was our own version of what the Americans were doing, which became kind of UK house music. But also I was in a, I was in a transitional period of, of playing house music, techno music, and UK breakbeat sound. And I really loved the UK breakbeat sound. For me, I always had the UK breakbeat sound and I always put a kick drum on it. So I remember that. That's, that's kind of, that was my introduction to you. I mean, in a way, I remember hearing that because I loved... A lot of us loved breaks, but breaks were missing a little something in terms of the dance. Well, it was a different type of dancing. Yes. You know, when you add the kick, when you add the 4-4, four, four, it kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. And, and this, for me, was always something of, of where I, I found myself. To, to create that sound more because I couldn't find those records. I used to play a break break record and then play a techno record to have that kick underneath mm. it. And so therefore... You had wait a second, like, I, can, I can make I this. I can make those. And so this is where I, I did a track called I Want You Forever, which was a hit record eventually in, in the end. And I really enjoyed the, the idea that I was actually being a part of music creativity, you know, within where we were with rave music and also where we were with techno music, but the whole scene itself kind of uh, uh, supplying a new sound from Carl Cox, from from where I was at that particular time. And it was really, really exciting. So I just was trying to find more and more and more ideals to, to have a certain amount of my own records to play in the sets that I was playing and playing other people's records at the same time. Because I used to nearly sign one of your records, by the way. I think you did sign yeah, one uh, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, it was um, a Situation. Yes. Which is still gigantic awesome. Gigantic sample. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's like 136 beats. It was so yeah, it was, fast. It was pretty quick. <laughs> um, so on the subject of the Diana Ross record, I had asked for your dream party, a yeah. record that was, e well, it's either a secret record or kind of a record that you've always wanted to play and for some reason haven't or don't that much i mean i'm very interested in this idea for djs of we have these records that we love we know they're incredible and we we hold back on sometimes yeah. and it's an interesting process i mean anyway i don't know exactly if the dionis falls into that category for you but uh oh it does <laughs> yeah you know but you know what i mean this, yeah. this thing of and i'm interested a lot of the time the simple question why why do we hold back why do we hold back? hold back uh you know it's great i know it's great the kids today um, don't know it's great. And we have to try and transition that with a, maybe a new mix to get that sound across. But it's difficult because in its original form, it's an amazing piece which you don't really want to mess with. Mm. When you listen to the whole 11 minutes of that one track, the emotions of it and, the, and where it sends you and the journey of, of where it takes you in the end to understand that that, that was an incredible piece of work uh, based on the coming together of, of amazing musicians and her glue of her voice in between it all is the thing that really makes that record 
what it is today still as something of which it's still I would say What's, revered as one of the best records ever made yeah, today. That's a, it's a crazy record. It's it's hard to just give that away to to people who only want to kind of jump in the in the middle of a break. Yeah, that's that's breakdown. a difficult one. I mean, obviously, but also, I mean, but in general, though, how how free do you feel you are to really just play the records you love? Um, I, I, f- I feel a little bit tired with my hands behind my backs in some way, you know? It's a, <laughs> no, because we all, everyone does. I always think it's weird that the, the fans and the people out there, I don't think they realize that a lot of DJs feel limited. Mm. I, I don't know. You know, I don't, I think a lot of people would say, oh, it's Carl Cox. He just plays exactly what he wants all the time, mm. which sometimes you probably do. But also we all have this inner dialogue of, of, we set up these reasons why, no, I can't do that, or I can't do this. Or yeah. maybe you don't. I don't know. Everyone has a different yeah. answer. Yeah, I, I think what makes us who we are at the end of the day is we all, we all have a choice to make in our selection of music and, and how we want to be perceived in, 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 in a way how we, you know, we, we gift you records and music that we love. And I think we can only do it at the end of the set. Could you yeah, play yeah. what you want to do? And I'm going to play you one record when I don't care if it clears the floor. <laughs> That's the beauty of the closing record. <laughs> or this is how I want to see you set yourself you know, on, a, on your way home with a record I feel that you still need to listen to and hear. And nine times out of ten, actually, it works. Yes. I've seen it happen quite a few times with DJs go, right, that's it. You know, Seth Troxler play uh, Gene Genie or something, you know what I mean, from from Dave Bowie or something, you know, just throws it out yeah. there, you know. I mean, I Want to Be Your Lover only became amazing because Seth Troxler decided to play the original version at the end of his set. And then it got turned into a house record and everyone now starts playing the house record and okay. But... It's a, it's amazing that, that that kind of happens, and and it happens because you have everyone's attention at, at by the end of your set, and you just go right. I'm going to do this. It's going in, whether they like it or not. And nine times out of ten, you know, if everyone's listening to you know, um, could you be loved by Bob Marley? That's a great record to end on. Could you be loved and be loved? And you've heard all this techno underground, you yeah. know, all this music from Berlin, from Bergheim <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. And at the end of it all, you're singing this record well, to the top the people, of your voice. Yeah. And I think people respond to when they see someone really in love with what they're playing. I mean, when they see that real passion, they, they respond. You know? And this is where it's your guilty pleasure. Mm. Now, with Diana Ross Love Hangover, I think it's still way too specialized for people to still go, oh, I kind of get where you're going with it. Because at the beginning, it actually starts off as a ballad mm. and then goes into disco. And then stays into disco for another seven more minutes. I oh, yeah, it's a cra- challenging record. It's, it's, quite it's, not, challenging. it's not a Blue Monday by New Order. <laughs> no, you know, it's a- of which I've played many times before and, and got a great reaction. But um, this is why I think this record is kind of it's, it's kind of secret still. Because if the, if the people who know know would be like, my God, someone's actually dropped this yeah. tune, you know, and actually played it. I've heard no DJ play it. You know, unless it's uh, uh, like a special house music night and you get a Joey Negro version of that and that would be played on that basis. You had mentioned, well, you mentioned, you brought, I mean, you put it perfectly, the, the brilliance of the closing record, the importance, the freedom, everything. So pick, tell me about your closing record. Now you've played, I don't know how many hundreds of shows a year you do for how many years. You've played thousands and thousands of shows. It's quite an awesome and bittersweet thought of you playing a final record, mm. but uh, I'm forcing you to choose one. <laughs> <laughs> and again, there's, there's so much you can choose from the selection, but um, a record that I have played many times before, um, 
uh, as a closing record. And again, it's someone that I love dearly and, and have seen in the last uh, three or four years play live still and are still around today. Stevie Wonder and a track called Another Star. Yeah, I, I loved what you wrote in the email. Uh, you just wrote, there will be tears. <laughs> 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 and be like, oh my God, really? Like, oh, this beautiful, well, you know. <laughs> I, this is, I mean, you've been DJing for a while. I mean, you've had a pretty incredible career. And uh, if you even consider not playing again, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is that is that something that really would be scary and horrible? Is it something where you think, okay, you know, eventually that's going to happen? Is it something mm. you've even thought about? I would be very sad if I couldn't play music and share music uh, because there will be an end of, a, of an amazing journey of which I've been able to have my own standing in, in, in music society where we are and what we still uh, enjoy and being a part of forevermore now I mean this scene's not going away at all no. it's still it's still taking on uh, very many tentacles you know <laughs> of where we are and, and, and I'm still a big massive part of that but um, you know from how I started with a small little box of records I used to go down to the record store come home into my bedroom my friends would be over I, I want to play the next new record to them they'd be sitting there yeah this is really cool and then I think I can't wait to play that the weekend at a, at a friend's of mine house that's the feeling school, right or school disco you know it feels like uh, that's the core of DJing is, yeah. is that thing of finding a record you love and wanting to play it for your friends. Yeah. It really. And it's the same thing. <laughs> and and it, to, to go full, full circle of that will be the beginning of the end for me. So I want to continue as long as I possibly can, but also be realistic in a sense of that there has to be uh, an, an element of, of where I'm able to not DJ anymore, but to be creative on other fields of the music industry, of which I'm still pursuing at the moment. Now, you know, I, I have built a new recording studio and I'm very much looking forward to making more new records from it, um, more so than any time before. So my energy for that is is, is stronger now than ever before. Um, yeah, being on the road, I've, I've actually cut down my, my gigs uh, almost down by half now. And... Um, I still feel like I'm working twice as hard, <laughs> even though I'm doing less work. I'm like, oh my I think God. that might. I think that might be what it's like just growing up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel that in all kinds of ways. It's like double the work for at best the same result. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just thinking, oh my God, you know, and I'm still in it because a lot of my friends who were around and following me uh, into my events, they're not around anymore, and um, you know, this is a whole new. Uh, yeah, you outlast each generation. Yeah, they, they, you know, all my friends cannot believe that I'm still doing this at this level because they, they go to bed about half past 10, 11 o'clock at night and I'm just going out to go to DJ. You know? And my, my set starts at 12, 2 o'clock or maybe 4.30 in the morning like it was last week. Um, they can't think of anything worse. But I'm out there doing this because I absolutely love it still so much that it's been a part of my life, my, my life line of, of my life for forevermore it feels like forevermore i've been djing since i was eight years old and it still doesn't get old for me apart from i'm getting older you know i'm not 22 years old anymore you know how i used to just travel anywhere and and have all these amazing parties and stuff and 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 still would be at a level that i'm able to keep continuing the, the, the level of djing and what i'm doing now but all the time i'm taking more of a back seat there's people who want to be want me to be there even more so now than ever before, so I have to try and balance, understand it, and balance that out, so I don't miss the the element of of, of playing, because you know there is people out there who are of, of my certain age, and they're in their own life have quit going out 
doing something more sensible, family man and family woman, you know, they they found their niche or where they are in their life. Where I haven't found my niche or where I am because around the corner there's still another party to do. There's still music to be made. There's still records to be signed. There's still clubs and 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 events that I I still want to be involved in in the sense of its creativity ambassadorial roles. There's been so there's so many things that are open to, for me, and and they're only there because of the music. Mm. They're only there because of my DJing and me able to connect with people still today. And uh, and with that, I, I I feel quite blessed and and humbled by the fact that I still I still have a serious lucrative career because of the first day I played a record and the first time my friends really enjoyed it is the reason why I still do this today. It's great. Anyway, I I don't think you're ever going to stop. I don't. and it's good I love to hear it I think you're one of a small group of people that I think really inspire a lot of other not just fans but a lot of other professionals there are moments where just to see that you're you know you're still you just have such a good energy about it and a good relationship with what you do it seems like yeah looking at it from afar yeah it's it's, (laughs) you know I I never thought that I'll, I'll ever end up with this role of where people are now looking to me to be inspired by my longevity in this music industry going back in the day from the 80s 90s into where we are now and have so much attention to what i do i mean i just did a be at tv uh, privilege uh, this weekend for resistance it's not even my event i'm just a guest for them but i'm an ambassador for them and the amount of views and amount of sharing and amount of comments that i've had on on this one element it's been the most that i've ever had and even though I've done some amazing parties and I've had uh, uh, amazing attention on those parties as well, this has become the biggest attention that yeah. I've had. And this is only a Tuesday gone. Yeah, that's and, amazing. Which is, you, uh, which is you, pulled, you pulled a serious trick somehow. I don't know how you... I, I really... <laughs> I, I look at it and I'm thinking, oh my, the, the, when you analyse all of this, you know, it's, it's phenomenal really. And I'm not a commercial selling artist. No. I can't walk away from this in that way. In that way, it's a difficult thing to go. I should. By the time I'm sixteen, I should stop. No. I think I'm just getting going. By the time well, I'm sixteen, I mean, yeah, well, I think. I mean, I think you know, stay, the relevance and the actual success. Those things are are you know they're hard to come by. There, but I actually think, but I think even more rare is the fact that you seem to still enjoy it. I mean, I think. I, I mean, by my own metrics, mm. that that's the thing that's really like, wow. That's I think very rare. Um, so. Here we are after playing 300,000 parties since you're eight years old. It's the last one. And who would you trust to be your opening DJ? Again, um, you hit a nail on the head on on difficult questions to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's so many amazing prolific DJs out there who, who also you know love to share you know the music with their heart and soul and everything. But you know what? There's another guy that, that doesn't get the dimensions and props that I think should do. And, uh, He's a very good dear friend of mine. Um, over the many years, I've, I've, I've gone to see him. I've literally got out of my house, got in the car to go and physically hear him play. Uh, and that's Charles Peterson. Okay. He really, uh, he sends you on, on all sorts of weird and wonderful journey with the music that he basically finds, picks up, plays and shares. And uh, and Charles always finds those those rare jams and those records that really send you and and i can't think of anyone better to to, to start a party for me than him and i'm also going to give you a special golden ticket an ultimate vip ticket and you can invite any person living or dead to be at the party (laughs) they can be in the dj booth they can be in the crowd they could just it could be any reason of yours this is there at your party yeah uh 
again, you know, there's there's been so <laughs> many, so many things that happened to me over the years, and I've seen people who who turn up and and uh, and enjoy my music so much. Um, one person in particular, if if I have to name names, or even if it's a celebrity or non-celebrity, um, but someone that really took me by surprise, and I didn't know that they were in the room at the time when I was playing and it was quite a few years ago in, in, in LA where he was basically dancing at, at, at the back of the club on a bit of a platform with his wife and at the end he turned, he comes over to me at the DJ booth and everything was, was the lights were on and everything and he went yeah man he said the music was fantastic I really enjoyed enjoyed the set you know and, and I've been following your music and everything and it's great to see you play live and I, I feel very blessed to, to, to be here talking to you today and he took his can go off and it was Wesley Snipes oh so my man is sweatily nice. <laughs> he, he was really. I see this guy rocking, and he's just, he's just into it, and he's really enjoying himself. You don't see celebrities do this, no. actually. You know, um, yeah, you see a few celebrities taking selfies with the DJ. No. Woo! You know, they get all of this. He was actually dancing. He got into it so much, you know. And I saw him a few more times after this. Um, and so Wesley would be someone that I would like to see. Do you? Uh, there's an after party after your party, and do you go? Are you an after party type or? I, I have slowed down my after-party activities. <laughs> I used to go to nearly every single one of them. Okay, so you're an after-party. <laughs> you know, I, things, things happen at after-parties which you just cannot believe, for, for good or bad. Um, but you never know unless you go. And that's the thing about it. Is, again, it's a kind of discovery. Am I going to end up in jail? <laughs> Am I going to end up meeting new people? Am I going to hear some amazing music? You know, all of these things you just don't know until you go. And 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 I kind of go to them because of that. I mean, not the, not that I don't want to go home. You know, to meet my family, my girlfriend, or or even just go to bed. It's just the fact that there the is an after party. The unknown. What yeah. you know? What's going to happen here? And a few things have. Uh, for, for better or worse but so I have slowed down now the, the element of, of going to the after parties um, I find myself you know my, and my energy kind of sucked away you know with, with, with my performances and my DJ and, and the last thing I want to do is go to an after party now <laughs> so uh, who would play your after party I mean who plays the after party of in this setting you're this magical last but, but party but right now you know and have done and I've been to see him many times before is Laurent Garnier you know, he, he you never know what he's going to play, and That's for and sure. and he really sets the tone of how he wants to deliver his music, what he wants to play, how he wants to play it, and I think you know, when someone's let loose like that. Uh, and plays music with conviction. I think Laurent Carnet is probably one of the only ones that does it in a brilliance type of way. I like he seems so in it, just so he's so actively engaged while he's playing. He's yeah, you, you can't you can't bother him. No, you know if you, if you bother him, he looks at you and he just uh, to say, "Don't bother me." <laughs> I mean, I mean the mix. You know, the, you know the only time you can you can bother him and if and he's and he's happy if he's got a glass of champagne and he breaks for that champagne, definitely bother him. <laughs> but other than that, don't bother him. You know, he's he's selecting, he's choosing, he's He's three records ahead of everybody yeah. of, of where, where he wants to take you. And it's amazing to see how he plays like that. And he can play like that for hours. When it's all over, or if it were all over in this hypothetical sense, if there was something non-music related, so it's not music industry, it's not A&R, it's not label, something else with all your free time in this hypothetical, could you see a different career or... or or if you were forced to choose something non-music related, mm. what what would you do? Uh, I'll, I'll be a chef. Oh yeah, and straight up. Yeah, okay, I love okay. I love uh, sharing the love of food. Again, it's sharing. It's it's like I've created something. I've made something. What do you think? You know, 
and hopefully you think it's delicious or, <laughs> or or maybe if you did this this and this and then maybe that what you're trying to do would work i would be so experimental it'd be it wouldn't be funny but i you know i followed a path of of, of all these dishes that uh, and, and recipes and try and try to do them justice in the sense of how i would cook them uh, i always try to make a little twist on on anything that i get given in the sense of uh, ingredients and and i mean i was always cooking with my sister's uh, at home and my mum and dad were always oh, working I met, very I met hard he met Pamela which is lovely <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure if you're going to get married at some point but anyway I'll try for her you know you never know and, um, <laughs> and uh, I've always enjoyed it always dinner parties anything that I can try to have a so- do socially which has nothing to do with anything else apart from the moment that's created through food and, and I really enjoyed being in, in, in the middle of all of that I love cooking are you competitive in general, I mean, would you consider yourself a competitive person? I, I, I am competitive. Yes, I race cars, um, drag race cars, I hill climb cars, I, I do track. We had to get. We had to go go to vehicles. We had to end on vehicles. <laughs> we had to go for some vehicles at some point. We got it. It was uh, impossible. But to... I'm competitive. You know, in in my drag racing uh, element, which I'm doing now, and I'm looking to go much further with it as well. Because people see me so much as a DJ and, and nothing else in a sense of sports. I mean, look, I'm not going to run any marathons anytime soon. Uh, we're not going to do any high jumps or any javelin or, or pole vaults. But one thing I do know what to do quite well is to drive. So when, when I'm up against someone else that's been driving for years and that's what they do and you've got this DJ that just comes in now and again and just messes with his car now and again, you know, I want to see that, that light go down and I want to cut that so bad to just get out the hole as quick as possible. And I like that with everything. I see myself very competitive. And I want to win. My foot's buried, foot in the floor, all the way down a quarter mile. And I want to get there first. You know, I, I don't want to be like, well, I'm a celebrity DJ. Yeah, I'll just do this for, you know, for some selfies and stuff. No, I don't care about none of it. And as a DJ, yeah. you must, I mean, you must have been competitive or are. I mean, not. I'm, I, I don't mean that in a negative way with other people, but it's like, I guess we all are. I, I always want to excel. Yeah. That's... Doesn't matter if it's after party. Doesn't matter if, if Jeff Mills is on before me or, 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 or after me. I don't think about any of it because I want to cut through everything and be noticed by what I can actually do. And I think that's the very thing that got me where I am because when I was kind of starting as a DJ, um, nobody knew who Carl Cox was, just some black guy selling tickets and he, there, so he got himself into the parties and that's how it started. But I still had to have something that, that made a difference. What, what makes you stand out more than anyone else? So I learned the art of free deck turntable mixing in my bedroom for five years before I actually went out and did it. And when I came out and done that, when, when people was hearing a record like Little Louis, for instance, French Kiss, and then I was putting the acapella and cutting the scratching acapella of Doug Glazer Let It Roll, nobody's heard the way how I played it at that time. And people were like, how is he putting this all this music together? Because it doesn't exist. Well, it only existed because I was basically making it happen on free turntables. So... I got booked on that basis. Everyone, everyone was using two turntables. I used three. Oh my God, he's using three. <gasps> What's he going to do? So everyone used to, you know, it'd be coming too deep. It was like 10 deep. Mm. And they'd be watching me, just hands everywhere, just just mixing three turntables. And I had to be on point. You know, there was no no um, room for error. There's even no, though, no even, safety net. There's nothing there. And even if the record jumped, I was sort of go back with the needle and get back on point and keep going again. And I just perfected that into such a way that no one else could come anywhere near close to it, unless you were Jeff Mills. Jeff, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say that's your Jeff. Uh, Carl, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I really, truly feel we could like pretty much talk forever. Also, too, I think, you know, when I hear everyone I've spoken to, you see common themes in the people as you talk to them. You know, yeah. And with you, I think 
that thing about discovery, you know, about looking for the new and finding it and combination with the generosity, wanting to share the discovery, mm. I think is obviously it kind of runs through everything. And I think everyone really gets that sense from you. I think it's quite a special and a rare gift. And it's a, it's, it's a pleasure for everybody. It's been, it's been a pleasure to be able to wear my heart on a sleeve and, and, and show people in some ways of the, the compassion I have for music and people who enjoy music. Great. And I and there's so many nights where I'm so tired and just wish I had your energy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> and I feel like, how are you still doing this? You know, I have, I have friends of mine that come out with me and, and after one weekend, they're, to- they're done. They're toast. They don't want to. I tell myself, so I'm like, just think of Carl. Like, <laughs> just just move your arms a little more. Do something. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> For rights reasons, my legal team has told me that we can't include audio in the podcast, but you can find all the tracks that we talk about on our SoundCloud and Spotify pages. Also a note that some of these episodes were recorded in the summer of 2018, so don't freak out if the parties they're talking about have already happened, or if people have passed away, or if there's some other small inconsistencies. We will all just have to do our best to accept that. This has been Carl Cox's last party on earth with me, your host, Tiga. You gotta know you're gonna wanna join me the next time when I'll be joined by Seth Troxler. Last party.